Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2436, You Are Protected, No Problems Detected, and Begin Again, both by Eric Teplitz of ericteplitz.com, and I'm your very own personal narrator, Justin Mollick, reading to you from some amazing blogs and books to help you optimize your life. Topics include personal development, productivity, and minimalism mostly. And some of the authors that I feature with their permission include Zen Habits, Mark and Angel, The Minimalists, and more. Today's comes from Eric Teplitz, and we have two posts today, so let's get right to it as we optimize your life. You are protected. No problems detected. By Eric Teplitz of ericteplitz.com. Recently, I had internet security software installed on my phone. Ever since each and every time I press the button to activate my home screen, I'm greeted with the following message. You are protected. No problems detected. What an interesting couple of lines to take in numerous times a day. Knowing the power of advertising and suggestion, I can't help but wonder if through enough repeated exposure, these words might infiltrate my subconscious to the point where I truly and unequivocally believe them. Imagine. All of this time, I've been operating under the presumption that I am prone to an endless variety of potential illnesses, injuries, infringements, slights, accidents, insults, heartbreaks, disasters, travesties, and tragedies, when all along, it turns out, I've always actually been completely protected. And those things I've considered to be problems have also been illusory, a mere matter of my own misperceptions, misinterpretations, and misjudgments. After all, from the perspective of absolute objectivity and ultimate reality, no problems can be detected. Maybe life is just a simulation, a sort of high-tech virtual reality game. We believe our afflictions are real and that danger, with death being the most extreme form of this, must be avoided at all costs. So we spend our time dodging as many bullets as we can and clinging to as much security as possible to prolong the length of the game that has to, by virtue of its program, end at one point or another. We strive to acquire as many points as we can while we're playing, even though it's pretty apparent they won't mean anything once the game is done. When our avatar bites the dust, the game, in fact, ends, but we, aside from maybe a blister or two and or some wounded pride, are fine. We are protected. But what would be the point of such a virtual reality game? And why must we suffer so, believing that all of the sorrows and strife within it are truly problematic if they really are not? 
Well, what kind of game worth playing would not have obstacles, limitations, difficulties, and challenges to overcome? How engaging could it possibly be? And if you, the player, completely understood how the game worked and knew exactly what to do in any one of a nearly unlimited number of scenarios, how much fun would it be? If you knew that it wasn't real and therefore didn't matter, how seriously would you take it? Would you give it your best? Maybe better to ask yourself, how do I, as a player, approach this game? Do I enjoy it only if I quote-unquote win? Can I have fun while I'm learning how to play even if I initially suck at it? Can I enjoy the process of fumbling through it, of learning as I go, of having an experience for its own sake? Maybe a game such as this has no purpose other than to choose your own adventures and to connect with other players and the virtual world itself. Maybe the only real point is to, in the course of the game's multitudinous challenges, develop certain character traits, patience, determination, wonder, courage, compassion, grit, appreciation, resilience, acceptance, creativity, generosity, and trust, for instance. And to have fun, a game should be fun. When the game is over, maybe you get to play again, maybe not. But since it's a game and one that doesn't last long at all in the scheme of things, maybe none of its dangers or problems are significant, at least not by the standards of ultimate reality. Maybe as compellingly real as these dangers and problems seem while you're playing, they're all just built into the game to make it engaging, challenging, thrilling, and an experience worth having. Maybe if you stepped outside of the game long enough and looked at the program, you'd find a message encoded within that reassured you. You are protected, no problems detected. Begin Again by Eric Teplitz of ericteplitz.com. Last year, I began meditating in earnest. I'd go for a stretch of weeks of consistent practice and then completely drop the ball and go for weeks or months meditating sporadically, if at all. Then eventually, I'd recommit and begin again. There were several cycles of this. About two months ago, I started meditating again and have been going strong since. Not every single day, but pretty close to it. I offer no predictions about how long this go-round will last, but I take solace in knowing that if and when I do stop, and for however long, I can always pick it right back up and begin again. I sit for about 30 minutes before getting ready for work each day, sometimes using guided meditation audios, sometimes not. My usual practice is a version of mindfulness meditation. It amounts to sitting still and paying attention to the physical sensations of breathing. After doing this for a time, your attention will inevitably be hijacked by your thoughts, probably a lot sooner than you think. And once you realize this has happened, regardless of how long or short a period of time has passed, you simply, as gently and non-judgmentally as possible, bring your attention back to the breath and begin again. That's it. It sounds like a pointless activity, doesn't it? How could doing something like this be beneficial? Neuroscientists, after studying the brain scans of meditators and non-meditators in controlled settings, are discovering a number of benefits, it turns out. But I'll just share with you some things I have noticed for myself. Number one, deliberately sitting still for a designated amount of time each day in the manner I described can have a calming effect. 
I have found that I'm generally in a better mental space when I've made time for meditation in the morning before succumbing to the societal pull of relentless go, which comes soon enough. Number two, taking time to practice being present makes me, A, acutely aware of just how often I'm swept away by my thoughts. It's crazy over the top, let me tell you. And B, more likely to have little openings of awareness more frequently during the course of my day. Moments of paying real attention to what is actually happening instead of being lost in my head, dwelling on the past, projecting into the future, or just mindlessly reacting to things. Number three, the quietude sometimes allows for good ideas to pop into my head, like the idea for this blog post, for instance. Number four, certain types of meditation, such as loving kindness, particularly with the help of a good guide in person or via an audio recording, can be profoundly heart-opening and even emotionally healing. It turns out that things like compassion and forgiveness can actually be cultivated through silent practice. And number five, maybe most especially, the simple act of paying attention to the breath and gently steering your attention back to it once you become aware of your mind having drifted is an excellent way to practice and reinforce a valuable life skill. When you've blown your planned diet or abandoned your exercise routine, when you venture down a path that feels like a waste of your time, energy, and talents, when you feel like you've betrayed yourself in some way by not following through on your higher intentions, whenever you veer off course or are derailed by some setback, rather than mercilessly beat yourself up about it, rather than bludgeon yourself with self-criticism that only leaves you depressed and demoralized, you can recognize the simple fact that you've wandered from your desired path identify what happened and what you might do differently the next time if it's yours to do, and then take the opportunity to gently and lovingly collect yourself, redirect yourself, and begin again. You just listened to the posts titled, You Are Protected, No Problems Detected, and Begin Again, both by Eric Teplitz of ericteplitz.com. Thank you to Eric. I have to comment on the post about meditation because that's one area where I believe I can add some value from my own experience. But first I'll say that the way he described it, in my humble opinion, is super accurate. And I almost always did the same type of meditation he described, the basic mindfulness meditation of focusing on the physical sensations of the breath. So with that, one thing I wanted to touch on was number three, because it was really short. He said that the quietude sometimes allows for good ideas to pop into his head. And I love this one because it's so the opposite of what most people think they're trying to quote unquote achieve with meditation. Absolute silence of the mind, as if that were possible. Some kind of end of game nirvana that you reach. It just doesn't work that way. And I'd argue if that's some sort of goal that somebody is after, Either they'll quit early because they won't enjoy the practice, or maybe it's someone trying to sell you something. And this leads right back to his first post. If we look at life as just a list of goals to be achieved or milestones to be reached, by the time we get to those arbitrary goals, so much of our time, attention, and resources will have evaporated right before our eyes because we never really took the time to enjoy what matters most, what's in between the milestones. As Eric said, maybe it's all about experiences worth having and making good traits, along with some fun. 
And you don't really find those things repeatedly with milestones. They just don't come frequently enough. So have some fun today. Hope you're having a great day and I'll see you in tomorrow's show where your optimal life awaits.